Rock Church, it is uh, good to see you guys today. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Clay, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, I am just so excited to be hanging out with you uh, this Memorial Day weekend. There's a lot going on right now, a lot of great stuff. I want to celebrate as we get started. First things first, uh, man, this past week uh, and this upcoming week, we've had a lot of people in our church graduate and experience that, and that's so big for us. We're a church that's this gen-led. Um, we really try to reach people from zero to 29 with that sweet spot of 16 to 24. And inside of that sweet spot, uh, we've had a lot of people graduate, whether it's high school or college recently. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up because that could be super embarrassing and awkward for you. But what I am going to ask is, church, let's applaud those people <laughs> finishing a task, completing it. And we are thankful for you taking those steps and uh, accomplishing something. That's, that's something to be very proud of. And uh, another thing I want to just talk about before we jump into today is uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, and you know there, there are some great aspects of that, and you know the extra day and hanging out with some family and spend some time. But I'm going to challenge all of us, like we should many times, is to take a step back and to remember uh, what people have done uh, for us to be able to do things like this and to gather and to just live freely. So I'm going to challenge you. Uh, just take some time today, tomorrow, just take a step back and, and, and remember that and, and, and just show some gratitude towards people's uh, sacrifice for what we have here today. Now, we are in a series called How To, and we've been going through some different things on how to blank. Last week, it was how to handle conflict. And today is one that I'm really excited about because it's something I have to work on really, really hard. Uh, it's something I have to constantly work on, something I constantly have to remember. And what uh, we are work talking about today is how to tame the tongue. Now, have any of you guys ever said something and instantly wanted it back? Something like, uh, when's your due date? I've never done that, thankfully. But I have had my fair share of things that I wish I could say back. The, the downfall of talking into a microphone pretty frequently for a living is that, that you do say some pretty uh, dumb things. And it started at an early age for me, at the, the age of 16. I can remember uh, back at the church I grew up in, we were a multi-site church like ours, and uh, I was kind of at our broadcast location. And in our same town, we had a, a smaller campus. And... When I was about 16, 17 years old, their uh, student pastor at the smaller campus had some sort of injury, and he was going to be out for a little bit. And what they needed is someone just kind of step in and kind of lead a little discussion or lead a little teaching, however wanted it to be done. And they said, Clay, would you like to step up and do this? I was like, yeah, that, that would be amazing. I've considered ministry as a career. This is going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Uh, what, what do you want me to speak on? Well, you can speak on whatever you want. Uh, just talk about it. And, you know, just, you got it? And I was like, okay. So I sat there and I thought, I was like, okay, we're going to go through the book of Luke through however long that, that we have this time together. And it's going to be great. So I get there that first night. I'm super excited. We got about 15, 20 students in the room with me. I sit in the stool in front of them. I'm getting ready to teach. I put my phone on a little tripod in the back so I could record myself and watch myself later. Everything's awesome. We start talking, and in Luke chapter 1, we're talking a lot about uh, burning incense and, and all this uh, priestly duties that, that had to go on. And uh, burning incense, it, it was something that was beautiful, and it was godly, and it set the atmosphere, and it was a, 
Uh, it was something that changed the, the structure of how things were going. It was just this massive, beautiful, amazing metaphor for other things that were happening to, to set up those priestly duties. And I'm talking through this, and, and I feel like I'm doing pretty well. And I look at the students, they seem to be engaged as, as a peer. I'm very excited. But then I look in the back of the room, and I see several of the adult leaders laughing me. And obviously, that shakes my confidence. I started getting a little nervous, and I just kept going. And by the end of it, I was like, man, what went wrong? Because I thought that was going to be so good. Well, I went to my phone and watched that recording later that night. And due to my nerves, instead of talking how, about how burning incense was so beautiful and godly and amazing and this great allegory, metaphor for our faith, kept using the word incest. <laughs> Very different messaging, right? I was nervous about telling this story, and uh, I was telling one of my friends, Justin, after the 8.30 about this, uh, and I was like, man, I, 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 like, I had to ask if I could get this approved, and he looked at me and said, Clay, you already said it once on stage, what's another time, right? And I was like, yeah, that's a great point, man, right? Like, you want to take that back, but 20 minutes of talking about incest is a long time, there's nothing you can do to take that back. I was in a bad spot, horrible spot, and I think there's a lot of times where we say something and there's nothing we can do to get it back, which is why we need to learn how to tame the tongue. And I'll be honest with you guys. I hate saying this word tongue from stage. It's one of those words that just kind of feels gross coming out of your mouth. It's kind of like saying moist from stage, right? Like you're just like, eh, right? So to, to get rid of some of the gross feelings, uh, here's some fun facts about tongues. Um, <laughs> tongues are unique like a fingerprint. So everyone's got a little bit of a different one. Uh, the body's strongest and most flexible muscle is the tongue. Um, and then, this is my personal favorite out of these, sticking your tongue out at one another in Tibet is a way to greet one another. Naturally, when in church you hear, hey, go ahead, greet your neighbor. I would like you guys all to go ahead and greet your neighbor in a Tibetan way. Stick your tongue at them real quick. Really, really hope that they don't have coffee breath and keep it moving, right? <laughs> We're talking about tame of the tongue. And the reality is we say a lot of words, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. And we have to be very aware of our words and what we say, how we say it, what those words mean. And in this series, we've been uh, going through the book of James, and James talks about this a lot. In the book of James, there's 108 verses, and 15 of those uh, deal with the tongue or words spoken. And I was thinking to myself, why would James talk about this so much? Like, this is something that's kind of talked about in other scriptures, but it's very heavy and very prevalent inside the book of James. And I realized it was probably because he was the half-brother of Jesus. So in any family interaction, Jesus was probably doing the perfect thing and also saying the perfect thing to, to his parents. James, on the other hand, probably did it, right? You have one perfect child and one uh, that is just a normal human being. 
I can imagine the frustration that would cause him at a young age and also the lessons that he learned, like, oh, if I just spoke like Jesus did all the time, my life would have been a lot better. Now, unfortunately, there's a, there's a lot of us uh, parents that we could look at our kids and we could say, yeah, that kid acts better than the other one, and uh, that one says the right thing, that one certainly does not. This is the ultimate example of this, right? James learned some lessons at a young age, and now we get to hear from him with this. Uh, in the first chapter of James, it talks about how the people were uh, practicing true and pure and undefiled religion and how they were bridling the tongue. And by the time we get to chapter three, he's talking about how the tongue is a dangerous weapon. It has a lot of power. It can do a lot of things. This uh, pastor, Josh, from the South Strand, he said this. He said, the tongue has made many famous and caused some to lose fame. It's created hate, and provided comfort, commended and corrupted, used to bless and to blame. And if it has that kind of power, we as people need to learn how to tame the tongue. Because words can do three things. First thing is this, words can direct. James 3, three through five, it, it says this, says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And it says this in the following verse. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Hold on to that thought there. And then it goes into verse five. It says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. We all know that person in our lives that speaks without thinking. Right, And in some ways, that person's really fun to be around, and it's very funny. But then there's times where that person speaks before thinking, and it kind of turns a little sad, right? Because they're just not getting it. Or maybe it makes you angry, because they just don't understand the ramifications of what they are saying. And I'm going to challenge all of us to not be that way. The, the fact that we should sit here and think before we should speak. We should know the weight of our words. We should know what's going on. We should know what we're working with because there are some powerful things that can be done with our words that's going to direct us. Just like the bit in the horse's mouth directs the horse to stop and go and to turn and the rudder on the ship points it in the direction it needs to go, takes it in the direction it needs to go. And for us, for better or for worse, our words will direct our life. You know, I can think about my relationship with Katie. You guys don't know how me and Katie began dating. Um, after seeing her at church for two years, I decided, you know what, today's the day. I walked up to her, I hit her with one pickup line, and then six months later, we were married. <laughs> you guys on the front row, you guys know our story a little bit. Is that actually how that happened at all? No, it took about a year of begging, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, about a year of begging. So in that case, it did not work. I had a bag. But you think about like an interview, right? Your words in that interview will either direct you towards that job or direct you away from that job. Or I know for me, if I hear the words, I bet you can't fill in the blank, I instantly go, oh yeah, I'm gonna do whatever they just challenged me to do. Our words direct our life. 
That's why I think um, starting our day with like gratitude, writing some things that down that we're thankful for, or just thinking positively in the morning makes such a big difference because you are setting the direction for the rest of your day. You're saying, this is where I want to go. This is how I want to, to live. Statistically, it's said that women speak an average of 20,000 words a day, and men speak 7,000 words a day. Now, with that, there, of those words, 50% are negative, 20% are neutral, and only 30% are positive which means that we are creating this world around us that isn't the direction that we wanna go. It's interesting, I think that it's not that people have bad intentions with their words. Like I don't think people live their life saying, I want my life to go into a bad direction because of the words I say. I don't think people want to hurt people. I don't think people want to be negative. I don't think people want to gossip. But when you have no intentions with your words, it will lead you down a bad path. So we have to be really, really aware because our context, we can direct our words or our words can direct us. The waves, the winds don't care where the map says you should go. The world doesn't care where you feel like you should go. That's where you have to take ownership of the words that you're saying, of the things that you are communicating, saying, I am going to do what I need to do. I am going to be positive with my words. I'm going to speak Jesus with my words. I'm going to say all these different things with my words because this is the direction of my life that I want to go. So I'm challenging all of us to be aware of our speech, to take time to think about what we're saying. Because for some of us in here, we don't really sit back and think about the effects of our words enough. I did this as, a, as thinking through this sermon and thinking about what we're talking about today. Like, what do I want my words to be? What kind of life do I want it to be directing me to? And I wrote down words like gracious, loving, powerful, impactful, uplifting, grateful, inspiring, and truth revealing. Like if my life was labeled by those terms as well as my words, I'd be pretty happy, right? But some of us in here, we're sitting here and we're looking at our life and we're going, why am I living the life that I'm living? You might be saying, why am I surrounded by gossip all the time? Is that because you gossip? You're saying, why am I surrounded by negativity all that time? Is that because you are negative? Does it feel like you can't accomplish whatever God has put in front of you? Is that because you're saying you can't accomplish it? You know, I have people in my life that like, are the most positive, uplifting, best people in the world, and they have a connection with everybody. And I'm not saying that they have to be loud or boisterous or like super like crazy, shaking hands all over the place. I'm just saying they just have the right words and the right attitudes about them, and they're creating the right connections with the right people and everyone leaves the, the, the conversation with that person and go, wow, I like that person. I like that guy. And what I have found is those people seem, those people seem to have all the things fall their direction, right? 
Is that because they, through the, the works of Jesus, are doing the right things because they're saying the right things? These thoughts are tied together. Our words will direct our life. And that's why we have to direct our words. Otherwise, they will direct us towards destruction. Because words can direct, but words can also destroy. The smallest spark can create the greatest fire. From what Smokey the Bear told us, that great theologian, only you can prevent forest fires. You know, Proverbs 16, 27, it, it says this. I love this verse. It's very challenging, but it's a great verse. It says, a worthless person digs up evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. Often our words may seem small, but they can create massive amount of damage. A good example of this is uh, the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. It started on a Sunday, it ended on a Tuesday. By the time it burned, it ended up being four miles wide and seven miles long, and it just devastated the city. Completely wrecked it, it took a long time to recover from it. Through the course of the fire, over 90,000 people were left homeless. 17,000 buildings were destroyed. And over 300 people died. And you look at this fire, this historical moment in U.S. history. It's like, man, how could such destruction happen? How could something so terrible happen? How could it be so bad? And the theory, the most popular theory of why the fire occurred was that Mrs. O'Leary's cow knocked over a lantern. You see, there, there wasn't this big giant thing that caused this problem. There wasn't someone with bad intentions. It was just this accidental little thing that happened and it created all this destruction later. And if we're not careful, that same thing happens in our world. If we're not careful with our words, they will start a fire and a fire doesn't just hurt today. It leaves lasting results that take a long time to overcome. James 3.6, it says this, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. That's strong language. But what James is trying to get across here is he's saying Satan and his crowd will take advantage of our ill-advised words our vulgar language, our judgmental comments to provide vision, uh, division and destruction in human relationships. He's gonna take every single aspect and try to create the most possible damage, even with it, the smallest intentions. He's creating problems. He's hurting people. He's hurting you through these very small words. Yes, the tongue is an itty-bitty thing in your body, but it has the power to destroy. So we want to say, yeah, let's tame the tongue. Here's the problem. Taming the tongue is humanly impossible. 
Look at verses seven and eight say. Verse seven and eight. It says, every kind of animal, bird, and reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. We get this, right? You go to the zoo, you go to SeaWorld, you go to Animal Kingdom, you see all these different animals that are tamed and they are controlled and everything's all good with them. Um, I have a lot of questions. I, was, I went to Animal Kingdom a few months ago. I don't get how that lion just doesn't run around and kill everything, but it's fascinating. We've tamed everything. Like We're looking at them tame these different animals, and, you're, and I'm like, I can't even tame my two-year-old. How, how are they doing this, right? But it says this, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Animals have been tamed. Humankind has ownership over it. But we can't figure out how to tame the tongue. John Phillips, he said this, try as we might, we cannot prevent the tongue from lashing out at times. Even the greatest and most gifted and gracious of men have said something that they later regret. And we get that, right? Let's use marriage as an example here. You're, you love your wife. You care about her. You're gracious towards her. You support her. You do everything you can for her. Then you start to get in that little bit of an argument, right? May I have your attention, please? An emergency has been reported in the building. So... I will let you guys know momentarily. We had an issue with our fire alarm yesterday, and they were supposed to fix it. I'm going to tame my tongue at the fire suppression system right now. Do not worry, it is all good. I would love. if fake Siri would tame her tongue right now. <laughs> Give it like three more seconds. She's going to talk again. Oh, we're good. We're good. It's not the Holy Spirit. I promise that was talking to us. <laughs> so every word that I was going to say towards like marital arguments, let's just pretend I'm talking it to that voice in the sky right there, right? Words like I told you so. Bad words to use in an argument, right? Or what is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? I feel like, so this is either God testing me or my dad. <laughs> and I don't know which one. Here's the funny part. Is there's no human way to really preach while that's talking, right? So we're gonna gap this, right? Like, we're just gonna wait for it. 
This is incredible. This is the single greatest moment of my preaching career. Definitely wasn't incest. That was my best. That's my best. <laughs> so the phrase that I think is the most dangerous to use inside of a marital argument is you're acting like your mother, right? Real bad one, right? You see, we, we all have these different moments where we accidentally say stuff. We don't mean to say things. If she talks again, I will mean to say something there. And, and we have these different moments, right? And... That's hard to deal with because you don't have bad intentions. But no one can tame the tongue. <laughs> Talk about timing. You know, there, that's not a stool. I just remembered that. Boy, that would have been awesome. I'm about to preacher flip this. Are you ready for this? Just give me a second. I got it. You guys will be like, oh, Jesus juked them. You ready, Daryl? I, I don't know if I'm ready, but I'm glad you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. I only got six more minutes on the timer anyway, so I, we're good either way. So here's the real. We have this idea of this emergency aspect popping up, Right? We hear these things by the, 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 the tongue is like fire and the things that we say create all these problems. And unfortunately in life, there are a lot of times where we are giving warning signs about what we're saying, right? And we're giving warning signs about uh, how we're doing and we just kind of see these little different things pop up and pop up and pop up. And for some reason, we just choose to ignore them, don't we? And we just sit there and go, well, I know I just heard that message, but I'm going to just drown it out, right? And there comes a certain point where even when you're still talking, you have it interrupt you, but you just keep going and you just keep speaking. And what's happening is it's leading you down the path. Conversely, there are times with this where you are speaking things that are good, that are godly, that are beautiful that are amazing, that are directing us towards what God has intended with us in life. And even if you have something trying to distract you, even if you have that friend that tries to pull you down, even if you have that voice that's in the back of your head that's trying to say, hey, you're distracted by what's going on. You're distracted by series 2.0's voice right here while you're trying to preach, right? Even though you have that trying to pick at you and take you off track of what you are trying to say, you are the one in control of the message that's coming out of your mouth, right? I feel like I was pretty good. I feel like that wasn't bad. Now, here's how I want to finish today. In just a moment, Will, why don't you come out and start playing? I don't know if you can hear me. I don't even know if you're back there. I'm just trusting the spirit right now. <laughs> Matthew 12, 34 says your speech is a window to your heart. Your mouth 
will always tattletale on your heart. A bitter heart will come out through a, a critical tongue. A harsh tongue will reveal an angry heart. A boasting tongue reveals an insecure heart. And the reality of this is, like I said, there's these distractions that are trying to pull you away from the message that you are trying to hear, that you're trying to communicate to other people. So it's not about holding your tongue. It's not about taming your tongue. It's about turning your heart towards Jesus and keeping your soul focused on him and saying, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter what I am experiencing, I'm going to push through because I know there's a greater message on the other side of what we are doing. And the message is the message and the life that is Jesus. And what that looks like, we're gonna throw it on the screen actually. This is what our speech should look like if we're chasing after Jesus with everything that we have. It's gonna be about trying to strive to be genuine. We're gonna skip a couple slides here, I'm sorry. We're gonna skip to the next one. We're gonna strive to be genuine. We're going to refuse to tear others down. And we're gonna speak only what is true. Because right now, you hear this alarm going off, right? And that's not speaking truth. And it's trying to distract you right now from this message. It's trying to distract you from what we are trying to communicate. It's trying to distract you from what God is trying to put on your heart here in this moment. You are going to have to make that decision that I'm going to declare the words of Jesus, declare the words of God in each and every single moment of my life. And I'm going to keep my soul focused on him, no matter what the internet says, no matter what my own brain says, no matter what that angry parent says, no matter what that abusive person says, that you're saying this is the message that I am going to hold on to because this is the message that I need to hold on to the most. And we're going to use that message, and we're going to declare that out. And what would our world look like if we did that? With all the noise, all the mess, what if we spoke to every human being believing that they were created in God's image? When the whole world is saying that people weren't made in God's image, they can do whatever they want, right? What if we used our words in such a loving way that others wanted to talk to us? Because here's the reality. There's sometimes where people don't want to talk to Christians because of the way they are talking to them. So what if you said, no, 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 I'm going to be the most positive, uplifting, gracious, and truth-revealing at the same time person that I can be? That's someone who people would want to engage with. What if we decided to use our words to direct us to where we want to go, which is where God wants us to go? What if we decided to not let our words destroy the kingdom, but to develop the kingdom? What if we decided to declare that Jesus was our God? You know, the fascinating thing about the, the fire of 1871, there's this famous Christian uh, man named D.L. Moody. And if you want to look into his story and his life, it's incredible. But here's what to know about it. He was preaching that during that weekend. And as he was preaching, he ended up going pretty long. And as he was going along, he kind of realized, like, I, don't, I, gotta, I gotta wrap this up. So he never got to the gospel message. He's like, hey, I'm gonna come back and preach tomorrow. We're gonna have a great conversation about the gospel, and why don't you come back then? But the problem was, that never came. 
And the reason it never came was because the fire came in. And D.L. Moody had to live for the rest of his life going, I didn't get the chance to present the gospel to those people. I didn't get a chance to communicate God's love to all those people. I didn't get the chance to declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you follow him, your life radically changes. And he said, I will never preach another message in my life without declaring the gospel inside of it. So that's what I'm telling you right now today. That Jesus died on the cross and three days later rose from the grave so that you and I could have the opportunity to not just tame our tongues, but to turn our hearts to him and experience a life like we would never believe. And maybe today you've never made that decision. I'm gonna challenge you, today is a fantastic day to make that decision. Romans 10, 9, it says this, it's so good. It talks about words. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our words change so much, don't they? They can direct, they can destroy, and they can declare. Maybe today is the day that you declared Jesus. And maybe today is the day that you know you've already done that, but you need to go, I need to take that next step. And I, I've caused some problems in my relationships. I've created some issues in my relationships. I've, I've messed up. Maybe what you need to do is go, it's not too late. I can redeem this through the power of Jesus. And I'm gonna trust Jesus in this. Jesus, I'm giving it over to you. And you go to those people and you have a conversation with them, an open, honest conversation. And throughout the whole conversation, you declare Jesus. Maybe you're someone here like me that likes to talk down to yourself. Or you're just speaking negatively about yourself even when you did nothing wrong, even when it's out of your control, there's just something that you're always negative towards yourself. Like, guys, I promise you, like, for the next six hours, and I'm not asking you guys for, to affirm me when I say this, but for the next 24 hours, I'm gonna be thinking, did I handle that situation correctly? Whether I know I did or I know I didn't, that voice is in the back of my head because that's how my brain operates, and it's tough, it's difficult and I have to fight against that voice that's inside my head, maybe that's what you need to do as well. You need to trust Jesus' words over your own words that are in your head. None of us are perfect in this regard. Whether it's to other people, to ourself, with our life, we can all improve with our words. And I'm gonna challenge all of us to tame the tongue through turning our hearts to him today. So why don't you guys go ahead and stand we're gonna go to time of response. That noise might come up again. If it does, it doesn't matter. If it does matter, I'll come back up or something. I don't know. Figure that out. But declare your words to him. Say, Jesus, I am trusting you, Jesus. I'm following you, Jesus. I'm loving you today. We got communion up here. If you wanna take that as a reminder of Jesus' death on the cross and his raising from the dead. If you want to take the step of baptism, we've got a crew that would love to talk to you about that. If you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, and you're like, man, I, I, I'm going to do that at my seat like the scripture says, but like, you want to talk to someone? We've got people to connect corner for you. Maybe you need to pray with someone. Use your words that way to come closer together. Maybe you just need to go out in the, the parking lot and have a conversation with somebody. 
Whatever it may be, let God speak into you. And during these worship songs, let's speak to him as well and praise him for all he can do. Jesus, man, we're grateful for you. We're thankful for you, Lord. And I know we could try to tame our tongue all we want, but if we don't trust you, there's nothing we can do. So, Lord, help us today to tame our tongues by turning our hearts to you and following you with everything we got. We love you and we thank you. Amen.